There are so many religions in the world. How are they similar and how are they different? We need to know. The culturally correct view is to blend them all together as equally relevant and legitimate. But is that true? Prior to becoming a follower of Jesus, your host, Mike Shreve, was an avid seeker of truth, exploring many paths to spirituality. One of his passions now is to help bridge the gap so that others can discover the true light, which gives light to everyone entering the world. Now, here's Mike Shreve revealing the true light. The title of this episode of Revealing the True Light is Seven Reasons You Should Never Practice Yoga. First, let me establish my qualifications for giving such an opinion that I know may sound very extreme to some of you. Fifty years ago, in 1970, I was a teacher of Kundalini Yoga at four universities in Florida. I was also running a yoga ashram in the Tampa area. And so I have experienced the practice of yoga firsthand in its depth. I know what it's all about. And I realize some of you may be practitioners now. Some of you may be involved in yoga just to tune up your physical bodies with a low-impact physical exercise program. Others may be pursuing ultimate truth. You may be trying to find God or trying to experience liberation or trying to find God consciousness. And so I know that some of what I say may seem unreceivable, but please listen to everything I have to say before making a judgment, because you need to hear all seven reasons. Number one is the spiritual foundation of yoga. Yoga is based on a far eastern view of the physical and spiritual aspects of human beings. Let me quote to you out of my book, Seven Reasons I No Longer Practice Yoga. This is actually a quote by the manager of a magazine called Hinduism Today. Sanyasan Aramuga Swami said these words, Hinduism is the soul of yoga based as it is on Hindu scripture and developed by Hindu sages. Yoga opens up new and more refined states of mind, and to understand them, one needs to believe in and understand the Hindu way of looking at God. A Christian trying to adapt these practices will likely disrupt their own Christian beliefs. Now, let me repeat that last part of his quote. A Christian trying to adapt these practices will likely disrupt their own Christian beliefs. So this is a serious matter. It could totally shift your worldview. Unknown to many practitioners of yoga, it is actually designed to open up something called the chakras. Now, what are chakras? They are supposedly seven energy centers in the body. The one most people are familiar with has been called the third eye, which is depicted by the red dot, the bindi on the forehead of many Hindu women and men, for that matter. The chakras are not only energy centers in the body, but a means by which you can leave your body during the yoga experience in order to enter something called the astral realm, which is supposedly the next level or the 
dimension, if you will, that can be experienced just above the physical realm. So to believe in yoga, to practice yoga, is to embrace something that is all about a spiritual or occult practice of experiencing the supernatural realm. But it's not under the direction of the Bible, and it's certainly not a proper approach to God, and we'll go into that more later. Now, the chakras are non-existent. I personally know some people who practice, quote-unquote, Christian yoga, and I consider that an oxymoron. Uh, there's no way you can practice Christian yoga. But I have met some through the years who still meditate on the chakras. And yet the guru I studied under back in 1970 taught that the chakras were just imaginary. They did not exist. They were just an aid to meditation. But I believe it goes much deeper than that and is far more dangerous than you would imagine because each chakra is associated with a different deity in Hinduism. So to meditate on the chakras is to connect with a false god that really is a veil for a demonic influence in your life. To believe in the chakras also involves believing in the kundalini. The kundalini is an internal coiled energy supposedly, according to Hindu teachers, at the base of the spine, and it is aroused through the practice of yoga, through the practice of meditation, until it rises up through the seven chakras so that a practitioner experiences merging with Brahman, who is the oversoul, ultimate reality, impersonal cosmic energy, a level of consciousness described in Hindu doctrine. Now that's the ultimate goal of yoga. And many yoga poses are offerings to different gods. As you move into the pose, it represents some story, some myth, associated with a particular Hindu god, and it is a way of invoking that god to come into your life. Now, we believe as Christians that these gods do not exist, but they are descriptions of what is actually a demon power that invades a person's life with very dark results. By the way, I'm going to have an article that we will be sending out from our website, thetruelight.net, an email called Reflections of Infinite Light that we send out weekly. And the next article will be on the different deities that are worshipped through various yoga poses. And we'll have pictures uh, to validate it and many sources cited. So it will be a very, very informative email. You need to get on our email list. Just go to thetruelight.net and sign up for Reflections of Infinite Light. And you'll get this article. It will come out in the next week or so. What else is associated with yoga that we need to know about? Well, for instance, when you sit in the lotus position, which is a position where your back is erect and your legs are crossed and your wrists rest on your knee and your hands are in a particular position, usually your forefinger is touching your thumb, making a circle, and your other fingers are stretched out straight. 
many practitioners of yoga have absolutely no idea that that is a mudra. And a mudra is a symbolic gesture, sometimes of the whole body, but most often of just the hand that has a certain spiritual connotation. Now, when you put your hands in that position, as you uh, go through a yoga class with the rest of the people in the class, I don't care if no Hindu gods have been mentioned, no Hindu scriptures have been quoted, no chanting has taken place. If you put your hand in that position, the forefinger touching the thumb means your individual soul, which is Atman, becoming one with the oversoul, which is Brahman. And, and of course, it would be wonderful if that was true to represent it. But if ultimate reality in Hinduism is not a true interpretation of the Godhead, and it isn't, then you are invoking a false deity to come and manifest supernaturally in your life just by touching your thumb with your forefinger. Yes, it is that serious. Now, the second reason you should never practice yoga is very similar to the first, and it's the spiritual perspective that most yoga advocates hold. A very revered Hindu author, Patanjali, taught something called the eight limbs or eight stage plan to reach enlightenment. The first two are yama, which means restraint, self-discipline, separating from the world. Well, we can agree with that. Uh, of course, there are some areas taught under that heading we would not agree with. And then the second is nayama, uh, which is observance or devotion. And of course, uh, we as Christians believe in devotion to biblical principles and devotion to the pursuit of God, etc. But within a Hindu context, that would mean much different things. But the third and fourth steps in Patanjali's eight-step plan or eight-limb plan is asanas, which are the physical exercises of yoga, and pranayama, which are the breathing exercises in yoga. And so these are part of a very defined process for a Hindu to reach samadhi. And samadhi is liberation from what we might call flesh consciousness, carnal mindedness, the bondage of being confined within the five senses, the way most people in this world are oblivious to spiritual matters. Well, to get beyond that and to experience the supernatural world, then you must involve yourself in asanas and pranayama, the physical exercises of yoga and the breathing exercises. Do you really want to come that close to a false religious system? The Bible doesn't teach that. And anything that is extra biblical gets you into dangerous territory. The Bible teaches that the way to transcend this realm, if you want to put it in that kind of terminology, is an experience called being born again. 
Jesus talked about that to Nicodemus. He said, except a man be born again, he cannot see or comprehend the kingdom of God. And except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Well, what does it mean to be born again, to be born of the spirit? That's where the spirit of God enters into you. And that happens when you receive Jesus into your heart. According to Ephesians 3, 17, it says, Christ will dwell in your heart by faith. And in the first chapter of John, it says, to as many as receive him, he gives power to become the sons of God. When you are born again, you are translated from the power of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. It's a very definite spiritual transition. It's a total paradigm shift in your doctrinal belief system. It's magnificent. It's wonderful. When I was finally born again, I gave up all of my yoga practice. I shut down my yoga ashram. I ended all my yoga classes. I told all of my students I've been converted to Christianity. Many of them became Christians as well, and I taught hundreds at four universities. I left that lifestyle behind me when I found the truth. See, Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. Now, either Jesus was an insane, deranged, religious maniac to make a statement like that, or the only other answer is that he was who he said he was that he was genuinely the only incarnation of God ever to come into this world. And to go through his crucifixion, his resurrection, his ascension into heaven, the three most important aspects of what he accomplished in this world, to identify with that and receive the power of salvation that comes from those things is absolutely essential. Nothing else will connect you with God. Nothing else will connect you with the truth. The third reason why you should never practice yoga is spiritual deception. You don't want to be deceived by a wrong religious practice because yoga, which is based on Hinduism, is usually based on a concept called pantheism. Now, what does pantheism mean? Pantheism is made up of two foundational words, pantheos, that means all is God. All is God. It's the belief that the universe is not a creation of God, but the universe is an emanation of God. There's a very strong difference between those two interpretations of the nature of the universe. If the universe is an emanation of God, everything has a divine essence, and everything is a manifestation of the Godhead. It is all God. That leads to a belief called monism. Monism is the belief that everything is of one essential substance. The Hindus call it prana. It is the basic building block of the universe. It has a divine essence to it. And so everything is divine. The tree is God. The dog is God. The cat is God. Every human being is God. That's why it's a normal thing to hear a new ager or a yoga advocate say, I am God. It traces back to this worldview, which I firmly believe is the absolute opposite of the truth. The universe is a creation of God, and God exists apart from the physical universe. You can come 
into a personal relationship with God, but you never become God. And yet that is the basis of the yoga experience. That is a foundational belief that most yoga advocates hold to. Now, you don't want to be deceived into doing things that will connect you with the demonic world either. For instance, I have a dear friend who was going for yoga certification. She was a Christian, but she wanted to somehow incorporate the practice of yoga and the teaching of yoga into her life. She wanted to be a fitness instructor and she wanted to be versed in what was trendy and what was popular at the time. So she went to yoga certification classes with Yoga Alliance and she had to go through many hours of instruction and quite often those instructing her were given over to a new age worldview or a Hindu worldview. They promised her that it would not negatively affect her belief system, that it didn't matter what religion a person belonged to, that yoga was not a religious practice and it could be incorporated into any religion. She went through quite a few classes and then got to a class where they asked her to participate in the chanting of a mantra. And it was in Sanskrit. And so she didn't do it. And after the class was over, she walked up to the leader and said, I can't chant a mantra until I know what it means. And he said, well, the interpretation of those words are, I give my soul to Shiva. Now, Shiva in Hinduism is called the Lord of Yoga. And Shiva is one of the three main deities at the head of the Hindu pantheon. And there are 330 million gods. That's the traditional number, 330 million gods in Hinduism. And the three top deities are Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva. Brahma is the creator god. Vishnu is the preserver god. And Shiva is the destroyer. Now, we know who the destroyer is. That could easily be a description of Satan, the devil. And yet he is impersonating an angel of light in the guise of a false god. She said, I'm out of here. I'm leaving. I will never uh, go through the rest of these classes. I'm a Christian and I cannot mix the two because the first commandment is I am the Lord your God and you shall not have any other gods before me. It is impossible to merge these two worldviews. Now, in the next episode, I'm going to go into the next four reasons you should never practice yoga. This is a very important teaching. So be sure to listen to the next one. I believe there'll be a lot of information that you need. And go to our website, thetruelight.net, and sign up for Reflections of Infinite Light. And while you're there, download my free ebook on my story called The Highest Adventure Encountering God. And I go into great detail about my life as a yoga teacher and what I believed after the transition to Christianity took place. And it's free. So download it right from the website. God bless you. Thank you for listening. And I look forward to sharing on the next episode. Thank you for joining Mike Shreve today on Revealing the True Light. And thank you for opening your mind and your heart to the truth. 
Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can explore the beliefs of many world religions more deeply by ordering Mike Shree's book titled In Search of the True Light. We also invite you to visit our website, thetruelight.net, and sign up to be part of our global internet family.